Okay, can I ask you please also then to open your Bibles at Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians and chapter 6. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen here. We're going to read the last few verses of this amazing letter. And it's going to be verses 18 to 24. So 18 to 24. And we're going to read this. this is Paul writing, obviously, and he writes this. He says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Okay, well, look, we've obviously started this passage of Scripture halfway through a sentence. So it really is beholden on me, isn't it, to give you a bit of context. What has come before these little dots? So if you were here over the last couple of weeks, you would have heard both Ian and Jeremy preaching very helpfully. Were you here for that? Yeah, very helpfully on really on spiritual warfare is what uh, he, he was, uh, they were talking about. And Paul uh, clearly has been talking in these previous verses about the Christian's struggle or wrestle as he calls it. And he says Christians are wrestling against cosmic powers of darkness. Wow, that's quite a term, isn't it? Cosmic powers of darkness. Did you know you were involved in a wrestle with cosmic powers of darkness against evil forces, he says, that will inevitably, whether you like it or not, will inevitably assail you. They are on you. And they will want to get the better of you. So Paul, in these previous verses here, is painting this extraordinary picture of warfare. Warfare. He's saying there is a spiritual war going on. Not a physical war, you'd be glad to know. But nevertheless, a, a, a very real spiritual warfare. And he's saying that is the normal, that is the kind of uh, landscape the moment you became a Christian, if you're a Christian here today, you got born into a war. Did you know that? You don't have to look happy about it. I know that's fine. But um, no, and so he is saying, look, hey, Christians, you are on a war footing. That's who you are. And actually, all your time here on earth, unless Jesus returns prior to that, you will be in a war, on a war footing. And he's saying, look, we need to be fighters in this war. That's what Paul is saying. And he's saying, look, in order to do that effectively, you need to know about some stuff that God has given you some things, some bits that you need to understand and you need to use. And so he goes through this amazing list, doesn't he, which uh, Ian so helpfully went through last time. And I think in a really very clever, just in a literary sense, very clever way, he takes a number of uh, things. He looks at truth and righteousness. He looks at sharing the gospel. He looks at faith. And he looks at salvation, these extraordinary things that God has done. And he equates them to the bits of equipment that a Roman soldier has been given. Do you remember this? So we've got the belt of truth. 
But you've not got to buckle truth around ourselves. It's an extraordinary image. And then this breastplate of righteousness. You were made righteous the moment you came to Christ. Yet we also need to live a righteous life. Extraordinary way in which Paul says, look, you're a soldier. You're fighting. And here are the bits of, of armor, of equipment that God has given you. That you really do need to know about. It's an amazing, it's actually a fantastic uh, chapter, chapter 6. I hope you've been gripped by chapter 6. It's a very important chapter for us to understand what on earth is going on in the world right now. Well, we find the truth of that in chapter 6. And then Paul, so he, that's what he has been talking about. And then Paul comes on to our passage here that we've just read this morning. And he talks about another thing that's really important. Something that we urgently need to be involved with. And he's talking here about prayer. Absolutely, prayer. And these first three verses here that we got up on the screen uh, are given over really to that subject. Now, at its simplest level, I think what Paul is saying here, he's saying two things. This is what he's saying to the, the Ephesians. He's saying this. First thing is this. Hey, Ephesians, keep praying because it's really important. Simple message. Keep praying. I believe if Paul were here today, he would stand up and say that to us. Hey, Hope Church, keep praying. And in a way, I feel if there's one thing that you remember from today, it's me standing here trying to stir this church to pray, to be active in prayer. And so he's saying, yeah, keep praying because it's really important. That's the first thing he says. Second thing he says is this, please will you pray for me? Because I really need it. Please will you pray for me? I really need it. It's a very humble thing, really, for this mighty man, this incredible apostle. I mean, if anybody you would think doesn't need prayer, it would be Paul. Paul gets these incredible revelations from God that are so powerful that God permits a thorn to be in his side that he refuses to take away just to keep Paul on the ground. Whoa, wherever Paul goes, he preaches the gospel, people get saved, and churches get planted. He sees miracles. He sees a guy raised from the dead, just uh, in, in the book of Acts. You, you think, this guy, but here he is, mighty apostle Paul saying, I really need you, Ephesians. Will you pray for me? I just want to encourage you. Hopefully that does encourage you. Who here has at some point said, Excuse me, will you pray for me? We've all, I hope, said it. And if you haven't, can I encourage you to do it? <laughs> to be someone who says, yeah, please will you pray for me? Because I really need it. You can't, we can't be an army of one. This is a real demonstration that to be an army, we need to be in a community. And that means at times you will have to come in and people will get round you and they will pray for you. It's a wonderful demonstration of that. And Paul is no exception to that. He's saying, help me, please. Okay, so that's generally, I think, uh, what these verses are saying. What does it more specifically, though, tell us? Because actually, when you start to look at these verses, there's a lot in here about how we should pray and also who we should pray for. The first thing that Paul says is this. Pray at all times. 
pray at all times. When he was uh, talking to the Thessalonian church, what does he say to them? Does anyone know about prayer? Yeah, pr pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I mean, he's really saying this stuff called prayer is really important for us. We've got to be in there. And uh, he's saying that we have to develop a life of prayer. If you want to mature as a Christian, if you want to grow up as a Christian, you have to develop a life of prayer. Let me say this. All revivals are birthed out of prayer movements. Every single one throughout history. And I would say this. All great men and women of God are great men and women of prayer first. Or they have someone praying for them. Prayer, absolutely essential. And this is the first challenge that Paul is giving us. Pray at all times. So he's also saying here, not only pray at all times, but pray in all seasons. Now this is interesting. So we've got to learn how to pray when we're happy, when we're up, things are going well. But we also have to learn how to pray when we are sad and down, even depressed. If you're feeling depressed today, go to Psalm 88. It's the most depressed psalm in the world. I'm not sure how it's got into the Bible. But anyway, it is. The guy was very, very depressed. But he was talking to God in his depression. So, yeah, every season. How about this season? The season when you're really busy. I'm really, really busy. I've got a young family. I work. My, my husband and wife, they work as well. Kids have got clubs. It's so busy. Got to learn how to pray in busy seasons as well as seasons that give you more time. Let me ask you a question. When are you poor at praying? What seasons of your life tend to distract you from prayer? Is it the busy season? I'm too busy to pray. Or perhaps it might be when everything's going really well. I oh, forget. I forget about God then. Yeah, that's you, is it? Yes, I sort of knew that somehow. I don't know. Being a Christian that doesn't pray, though, biblically, isn't an option. We've got to learn how to pray in these different seasons. I remember um, when I was in publishing a number of years ago, I went through a season of working 12-hour days. So I would leave the house at 7, and I would get home at 7. Now, some of you I know are working longer than that. But for me, that's a busy day. And I struggled to pray in the morning. Thought, oh, you know get up at half six, get, get yourself ready, get, dash off for the train. Then you get home, don't you, honestly, and you, all you want to do is sit down, watch some telly, something like that, and eat. And uh, what I had to do was work out, no, that means I've got to find some time at lunchtime. So I had to say to my, my team, I am taking my lunch hour, and I will go for a walk around the lovely place of Camden, not so lovely, really. But um, uh, I will walk around there and I will pray. Or I will go into a coffee shop and I will open my Bible and do it then. You've just got to work out when can I find that time. So pray at all times. Then Paul says this. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Mm, now, what does that mean? 
Some people have said, well, this is an indicator that we should be praying in tongues all the time. Now, I don't think it means that. Although Paul was very keen on praying in tongues, wasn't he? What did he say to the Corinthian church about praying in tongues? Yes, he did. And he said, I want you all to speak in tongues. Again, I think if he was here, he would look out at you and say, I would like all of you to be speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, there's going to be a prayer team down here. Love to pray for you. Yeah, and I think he does then go, go on. I think he provokes them a bit. I wonder if they were a competitive lot, the old Corinthians. Because he says, yeah, oh, by the way, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I think there was a bit of a, well, we'll see about that response. I think that's what he was looking for. So what does it mean? It means two things then. It means we pray according to the truth already revealed to us in Scripture. We don't pray uh, against the will of God revealed in Scripture. And we also pray according to uh, a sense of the leading of the Holy Spirit that we individually get. Who here, at some point, when you were praying, suddenly start thinking about someone? Someone that you haven't thought of for ages. You think, oh, Mary Jane, I haven't seen her for ages. Oh, just God, I just pray for Mary Jane. I don't know why I haven't seen her in ages. Lord, bless her and keep her. And, amen. And then a couple of days later, oh, have you heard about Mary Jane? She's been in a car crash, but she's fine. It's amazing. They don't understand. Who's had that? Something like that. Yeah, a number of you. I would suggest to you, you've been in the spirit. You're listening to God as well as talking to God. So I would encourage you to do that because Paul says, pray in the spirit. Then he says this, pray with all prayer and supplication. A couple of definitions for you. Prayer is talking to God about anything and everything. Supplication is where you are asking God for stuff. And you're saying, can I have this and this and this? Okay? So it's those. And Paul is saying, I want you to do lots of both of those. I want you to ask for lots of stuff. And I want you to talk to God about lots of stuff. Now, who here struggles with prayer? Yeah, I think it's probably all of us. Interestingly, he says, I want you to pray with all types of prayer. How many types of prayer do you use? So it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because most of us tend to pray in one way only. And we just, you know, say, God, hello, God, here I am. Can I have this? How are you? Can I talk to you about this? And that's good. But actually, there are many different ways in which we can pray. And sometimes what can happen is when we get stuck in a rut, prayer becomes dull, becomes hard work. And actually, there are many different ways in which we could pray. So I just thought it would be helpful just to put a few up for you, just to give you, maybe you're struggling with prayer right now. Maybe you could look through this list and you could say, well, I'm going to have a go at one of those. I think I feel as I was preparing I think this is quite important I need to give you a different way of doing it to introduce a bit more life and a bit more vigor into your prayer life so let's have a quick look first thing to do I would recommend is make sure you set 
a consistent time in the day when you pray. I am a morning person. I am terrible in the evenings. My brother is very much at his best between 10 and midnight. When I am at my worst. We don't talk much. <clears throat> so I would recommend that you find a time that is good for you and stick to it. Now the reason you have a set time is because if you don't have a set time, what you tend to do is say, I'll pray later. And you get to the evening and you think it's time for bed or I forgot to pray. But if you have a set time, so for me, I get up, I have a cup of tea, I have my breakfast and then I pray. That is my routine. And that means I pray consistently every day. So I would really recommend, and I think as I was preparing for this, I felt some of you have forgotten, have stopped doing this. Having a regular time with God. Can I urge you, have that regular time with God. Now, if we're going to become people of prayer, that does also mean praying at other times other than in your quiet time or your prayer time. And I believe we've got to become people who punctuate our thinking with prayer. Punctuate your thinking with prayer. You see, whether you like it or not, you are thinking all day long. I know that's difficult when you look at some people to believe, but, but, but it's true. You are thinking. Your brain is functioning all day long. And what's happened, if you are thinking about something negative, the tendency in you will be to worry. So you'll think about something again and again. We've got, let's pick an example, I don't know. Auntie Flo is coming for tea on Sunday, let's imagine. And she's got a terrible nut allergy and has nearly died from this. And you're thinking, have I got any nuts in the house? Will she die in my house? What will happen? And see, your mind can just go on like that. Or you can stop and say, God, I've got this fear of this. I bring it to you. Please, will you help me? Protect this lady. Pray for a good time on Sunday. Amen. Do you see what I mean? So short time. If you are having a client meeting, pray. Actually, often fear is a very positive motivator for prayer, I have found over the years. Uh, I've got to meet a client. This is back in my publishing days. Oh, God, help, please, I need you. But I encourage you, all the way through the day, become conscious of what you're thinking of if you're not aware of it, and then punctuate it with prayer. Scripted prayer. I tend to script write out a prayer that I would pull out and use on a regular basis, every day, when particularly when I am worried about something or I need breakthrough in something, I write it out, same prayer, and I've thought about what I'm going to write. Is this biblical? What am I asking God for? And then the same prayer comes out every day. I go through seasons of this. A few years ago, I was, I'd scripted a prayer and I was saying it four or five times a day. Sometimes, God, I need you, I need you. I'm going to pray this again. Just helps you if you're struggling to think, which sometimes we are, aren't we? Meditation. Meditation. I encourage you. It's a kind of more ponderous form of prayer. Sometimes when I uh, when I I'm preparing to preach, I have a passage of scripture. I pray over it. I read it again and again. I pray over it, and then I say, Lord, please, will you show me what this means? 
And then what happens, particularly the bits I don't understand, Lord. What is this, what's all of this about? And then I'll go to be going to bed a couple of days later and I'll suddenly think, that's what it means. So, meditation. Praying through scripture. Who's done this? Oh yeah, a few of you. Okay. Personally, I've never done this, but I, I've heard that it's very helpful. So what this is, is you take, say, a psalm, a passage of scripture, let's say a psalm, Psalm 23, and you say the first verse out loud, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then you pray that back to God. So you say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I really need shepherding. I need your guidance on this and this and this. Please would you keep me? You know, amen. And then you move on to the next verse. You pray that way, okay? It's just a different way of praying that some of you might find helpful. The Lord's Prayer. When was the last time you prayed through the Lord's Prayer? Hey, don't forget the Lord's Prayer. I find myself wandering into it every now and again. Not, not the whole prayer. Sometimes it's just one line. Sometimes if I'm concerned about something, I'll be praying, Lord, keep me from evil. Keep my family from evil. Protect me. I just sense, I just need you. Lord, would you do this? So I encourage you to think about the Lord's Prayer. I put this one in. Some people have said to me, oh, I can't pray for me because that would be selfish. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely be praying about you and your own stuff. Bring it to Jesus. Prayer triplets. 20 years ago or so, this church was very big on prayer triplets. Who was in a prayer triplet? Mm. Uh, we don't sort of promote this so much these days, but, but I would recommend it. Get into, just get with a couple of friends and gather whenever is convenient for you and pray for each other. It's not rocket science, but it's really helpful, particularly if you struggle to pray on your own. And you need someone else to come and stir you up. Get yourself into a time when you can have that. Just watch out they don't become a talking shop. That's what tends to happen with prayer triplets. People get together, they've got an hour or so, and they spend 59 minutes talking and one minute praying. Just keep yourself, just keep yourself. Uh, and also, I just have to say this, just watch out it doesn't become a gossip shop as well. Keep each other honest with this. But they are very helpful, and I'd recommend them. And then obviously praying in tongues, which we talked about. I hope there's something in there that will just introduce something new into your prayer life. Something that you can take away and use. Right, what does he say next? He then says, keep alert. Keep alert with all perseverance. What is it? Ian spoke about this last week. What is it about living in a place like Seven Oaks? Uh, comfortable middle-class places, of which there are many around not only this, this country, but many countries. There's a sort of spiritual dynamic of places like living in this that we have to watch out for. And it is the temptation to go to sleep that says everything is really quite nice here. Your mortgage is, is okay. Your kids are in a nice school. Everything's all right. 
And the enemy whispers in your ear, so let's just go to sleep then. Don't bother with this praying thing. Just go to sleep. Do, do you agree? Good, it's not just me. Excellent. <clears throat> See, what Paul's saying is, no, no, keep alert. Keep alert in prayer. Keep alert in prayer is what he's saying. How are you provoking prayer in your life? How are you provoking it? We need to be people that constantly say, no, I'm going to bring this to Jesus. I'm going to provoke prayer. And I think by saying keep alert, Paul is telling us to do this as well. Observe what's going on around you. How are your, how are your kids doing? Well, one of them's getting into a bad crowd, really. Yeah, well, I would suggest you pray about that. Come on, observe what's genuinely happening in your life and pray, bring it to Jesus. What other things are we commanded by Scripture to pray for? We're commanded to pray for kings and all those in authority, aren't we? So that means that we are being told by God, pray for your government. Whether you agree with them or not, pray for them. You may have noticed there are some very ungodly values coming into our nation at the moment. The Bible is telling us, hey, Christians, pray. Pray about what's happening to your nation. Pray for your nation. The onus is on us. Not to be asleep, but to observe what's happening. I need to be praying about this. Remember, you're in a war. It's not a smart idea to go to sleep when you're in a war. You'll get shot. That's what will happen. Paul then says this, make supplication. So ask for stuff for all the saints, all the Christians. So Christians, you need to be praying for other Christians. Hello? You're with me. Christians, be praying for other Christians. Why would Christians pray for Christians? Because we're the saved lot, aren't we? We're all going to heaven. Oh, there we go. Yes, God's making a real point of this. <laughs> Christians, pray for other Christians. The reason we need to pray for other Christians is because we're the ones doing the wrestling with heavenly, in the heavenly places. Hello? Yeah. We're wrestling evil forces. That is not an easy business. You may have noticed in the, in, with the church over the years, there are casualties. People get taken down. No, no, we need to be praying. It's a specific command. You know, if we stop seeing that we are at war, that is the situation for us. The temptation for us will be to stop praying because we're saying it's safe. And the Bible is saying very clearly, you do not live in a safe, spiritually safe environment. So therefore, you need to be on your guard. How are we doing? We're all right. It's hot, isn't it? But hey, come and keep going. I well, we said earlier that Paul asks for prayer. And this is the bit that I've highlighted here when he is asking for prayer. But it's interesting to see, what does the mighty apostle Paul, what does he ask for? 
Well, if you read through this, what you see is Paul is asking that God would enable him to do what he has already been doing. You see, Paul is really good at preaching the gospel. He's really good at it. As we said earlier, churches are planted wherever he goes. People become Christians. I mean, amazing. Wow. This man is helping to pioneer the early church, almost like no one else. We know he was called very dramatically, wasn't he? The Bible says that Paul is a chosen instrument to take the gospel to Jews, kings, and Gentiles. Wow. But the truth about Paul is that he has taken some very hard knocks along the way. He um, has taken some literal physical beatings. When he was in Philippi, he and Silas were dragged into the market square and they came out with rods and they beat him. And it says, after many blows, so I don't know what was going on, I can only imagine they were in a kind of fetal position and blows raining down on them. It says, after that, he was put in prison. In Lystra, which is a little bit earlier than this, they picked up rocks and they start hurling rocks at Paul to the point where he's knocked out. Presumably there was lots of blood. In fact, they think he's dead. And they pick up what they think is his dead corpse and they dump it outside the city walls. And Paul does recover. Christians come and they help him. It's been tough. Paul has lived with a group of people who are committed to assassinate him. I can only imagine what it's like to live with that. He is regularly in prison and he is regularly jeered at. Just come from Athens where they just laughed at this proud intellectual man and they are just laughing at his ideas. Life has been tough for this guy. Really tough. And I think we see at one point, he's got to a point where he just says, I can't take another beating. I know I'm called to this but I just can't take another physical beating like that. And then in Acts 18, he's just going to Corinth. He arrives at Corinth, and God has to come to him very clearly and reassure him. And God says this. He says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you and harm you. I think he needed to hear that. For I have many in this city who are my people. May I ask you a question? Is this something you know you ought to be doing? Is this something that God has maybe even dramatically called you to? Or maybe you just know you're in a certain season of life and that's the season you're meant to be in. Are you tempted right now to back away from it, to stop doing it. I mean, maybe you're an evangelist. Maybe you've led people to Christ. But maybe at some point, someone has just belittled you. Maybe at work, people have turned around and they have laughed in your face. And you've just said, ow, that really hurt. Maybe you're pastoral. You're really good with broken people. Maybe that's you. And maybe you've been really helping these broken people and then suddenly they turn around and they have accused you of something awful. And you just think, why? Why am I doing this? What is this? Why? 
Or maybe it's not a church thing. Maybe it's you're a mum. And you've been raising your kids for 10 years and you still think, what is going on? I still have to tell them, my eldest son, not to beat his younger sister. I have to, you know, mealtimes are war. What is the point? Okay, I'll carry on being mum, but I just want to back away. Be mum light, so to speak. Is that you? Is that you right now? Maybe, like Paul, today is the day when you need to say, I need people to pray for me, please. Please, will you get around me and pray? If that is you today, I'd love to pray for you. There'll be teams down here at the end who would love to pray for you. Maybe you, like Paul, need to hear God's voice freshly spoken into your heart. You need to hear God say, hey, I am with you. Don't stop. Don't stop speaking. I've called you to this. Keep going. Maybe you need to hear, no, you're coming into a Corinth season. You're not going to take a beating again, and it's going to be very fruitful. It's not going to be a Philippi season where you're going to just take a kicking. It's a different season coming up. You need to hear God's fresh call, his fresh word to you. We all need it. Coming into the close now of this letter. And uh, in these verses, I think what we see here is Paul's heart for the Ephesians. You see, they really love him. And he really loves them. When he, he left them, he left the Ephesian elders, uh, it, it says in, in Acts, they wept. There was much weeping. And Paul wept and they wept. This guy isn't just a, you know, theological teacher and practitioner of Christianity. This guy's a father to them. They're really concerned about him. They love him. And we may have just been wrestling in the heavenly realms up here. Mighty stuff, that's what we've been doing. But Paul hasn't forgotten that they are people and that he loves them. And they love him. And that's what we see here. He says, look, uh, I am so concerned about you. I'm going to send Tychicus. He's a really good guy. I'm going to take him off the front line. I'm going to send him to you. And he's going to tell you how I am. I'm not going to do this by Zoom. <laughs> I'm going to send a human being to you who will look you in the eye. And if you're upset, he'll put his arms around you. He remembers it. I want to, he says, encourage your heart. just want to encourage you. He doesn't forget that they are people. And nor must we, Hope Church. Christian leaders in particular are very good at forgetting this. We get wrapped up in big truth. Wrapped up in predestination and power of God and all that's going on. Look, I, I, I believe that this church will see more saved. I am praying consistently that we'll see blind people see, we'll see the deaf hear. I believe that's the will of God. I believe we'll come into that. But in amongst all of our search and hunger and love for all of that stuff, mustn't forget to love each other. We've got to keep asking the simple questions 
that are asked here. Look at the questions that are being asked. Basically, the Ephesians are saying this to Paul. Hey, how are you? It's not a big theological question. How are you? You say, well, what are you up to at the moment? Keep in contact with us and let us know what you're doing. This is simple love. These are simple questions out of a heart that's full of love. Final couple of verses. As I said earlier, we have been through some massive theology with this book, haven't we? In the last few months. We've been seeing that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. That's where we started. We worked through that incredible opening about predestination and adoption and forgiveness we saw something of the nature of salvation in chapter 2. We, we saw that it wasn't by works, it was by grace God has saved us. We see in chapter 3 something of the love of God, this awesome love of God. We're drawn into this enormous stuff. We see about maturity. We see being imitators of God. This is huge stuff. And just recently before this, we've been wrestling in the heavenly realms. But actually, that's not how Paul ends. Paul ends with words like this. He says, love, peace, faith, grace to you. It's almost a prayer. What we're reading here, this is Paul's heart for the Ephesians. Peace be to the brothers. Love with faith. Grace be with all. You pick up something of this man's heart, don't you? Can you feel it in those verses? And that's where... We're going to end remembering that we as a church, yeah, we want to get into the big stuff. Yes, we should study it all. But also, let's not forget to love one another. Let's keep asking of one another those simple questions. Let's look each other in the eye and say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? You good? And that is where I want to bring our study of Ephesians to an end. Remembering that God loves us and that we're called to love one another. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll uh, draw things to a close. Father, I thank you that you are a good God. Father, I thank you that you are awesomely deep and powerful and profound. But Father, I thank you also that you have called us to a relationship to love you and to love one another. And Lord, we just need your help in all of this. Help us to pray. Help us to be people that just love to find you and spend time with you. Father, I pray, bring newness to prayer lives that have gone barren or are, just have stopped. Lord, I pray for a provocation. Father, even this week, every day, we'll find fresh stirrings to pray and keep alert in all that you've asked us to do. And I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.